Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Don't let that weather dictate your outlook or attitude. It can always be better. To that end, we'll spend the next two hours on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, architecture and planning, recreation and drug use, recreational, I'm sorry, recreation and recreational drug use. There we go. Both of those things are going to be on the show. And I know you're saying to yourself, that seems an odd combination, but it's true. Uber producer Dan Peters is not in studio today. He has been filling in for Chad McKenzie on the Main Street Cafe morning show. And uh, you can hear Dan along with Beth tomorrow morning from 5 to 8 a.m. on Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we wish them all the best with that those dark hours. Ugh. But Dan's still taking care of our news needs here this afternoon, as you heard him on the newscast. These winter days always remind me of growing up in the North End. Uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we used to spend a lot of time ice skating at the public rink on the west side of Coval Lake. You know, it was just a hangout more than anything. Yes, we had skates. Yes, we skated. But mostly what we did was play football on the ice, on skates, or pom-pom pull-away. But a lot of football with a kind of beat-up old Nerf, you know, that had been frozen. It's good times. Good time. Makes you a better skater. Uh, but, uh, you know, our uh, over there, we spent a lot of time there on the west side of Coval Lake. Our city has a long history of operating public ice skating, going back to the clearing a spot on that actual lake mid-20th century. I don't know how far back that went. They just kind of scrape off the snow there, and they had an old warming house. But they built a new one for us kids in the 70s. In my time, uh, the city flooded a spot over there on the dry land where those uh, baseball diamonds are, where they got t-ball now. But we lived on the east side of the lake. So if you wanted to go skating, and we went pretty much every day, you either had to walk all the way around about a mile or go straight across the ice, which was maybe like a quarter mile. What do you think we did? Yes, you're not going to walk all the way around that lake in the winter. It was mostly uneventful to go across the ice. I, you know, for the most part, it was okay. When it was really cold, you know, you'd get those sort of very deep, you know, cracks that you would hear. But that's just, those aren't cracks. That's just the ice, you know, kind of moving and freezing. And it was fine. It was fine. It was mostly uneventful, as I said, if, you know, slightly anxiety producing, because the lake is only like, 150 feet across, you know, it's an oxbow. It's an old hunk of the Big Sioux River, Coval Lake there. So you wanted to get across to the other side where the warming house was in safety. So it was a little bit, especially if it got a little warm, you know, then the water would come up on top like it does. There were a few times, however, when the ice was not as thick as one might hope. And one night as we were headed back home, I was uh, uh, with it, probably nine o'clock or so, you know, I was with a group of neighborhood boys that included uh, uh, my friend Greg, who was a tall and real thin, he's a very thin guy. He was a young guy with a crazy, he had this crazy good hook shot in basketball. And But he, here's the thing about Greg. He looked exactly like Tom Petty. And I, I'm not lying about that. The man looked like Tom Petty. Also in that group that day was Pat, not me, this other Pat, who was this uh, kind of stubby little wrestler guy. Uh, I also played shortstop. 
he was uh, uh, from a family uh, with a bunch of brothers of a similar stock. You know, they're just kind of small and mean. Uh, he had this tendency, though, for uh, Irish-inspired commentary that often got him in more trouble than perhaps his body type would suggest he should, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So one night we're walking across the ice, as I said, and for whatever reason, you know, we're, we're just we're getting to the Japanese gardens over there. If you've been down there, you know what I'm talking about. And about 10 feet from the shore, the, there was a hole or, the, you know, the ice just gave way under Greg and he fell into the water and, you know, it's winter, but mercifully the water there, especially back then before the dredging and all that was only a couple of feet deep, but it was cold, <laughs> you know, it was winter. And as you might guess, uh, uh, you know, Greg struggled a bit to get firm footing, even in a couple of feet of water, it's hard to get back up on the, you know, the ice breaks. And so eventually he kind of scrambles his way to shore, which, uh, my friend, Pat, the little guy, he found this, uh, pretty funny and he expressed some of his joy, uh, with Greg's struggles, uh, not taking into account the idea that, that, that this might be, <laughs> that might be a problem. <laughs> Greg not finding it quite so funny, did when he got up to the shore there, he decided that he was going to uh, uh, maybe convince young Pat of the grave nature of this situation here. So what he did was he picked him up and threw him in, <laughs> which just meant there were two wet guys. It's a little North End justice for you when you're uh, in the 70s growing up. Thankfully, we weren't far from the home of a friend or an acquaintance where uh, Greg and Pat headed to warm up uh, and presumably heal their damaged relationships. They were fast friends for a very long time. The rest of us, we just walked home, uh, left them to their own devices. That's what I think about when I think about these deep winter days and uh, just trying to have fun out there. We're going to talk a little bit about having fun in the winter the course of this week, so stay tuned for that. But we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Mike Gunn. He's a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April elections. This is our continuing series of job interviews with the eight candidates for mayor of Sioux Falls. The smart cyclist will be in and we'll find out what his plans are for the next year and talk about some stuff that's coming up that he's participating in. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about this decision on the big house over there in McKinnon and also, uh, you know, a little recreational drug use. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. We'll get a little closer to free today with the Bodines and the PL statement. Lots going on today. Lots going on today, both locally and nationally. Uh, first off, I don't know if you have seen the news is making the rounds today. The Supreme Court decision came out on the big monster house over there at McKinnon Park. 
It has been an issue for a long time, probably longer than it needs to be. And these are the kinds of things, of course, that we get more interested in than, uh, than we probably should, but that's okay. So you've got the big, uh, uh, big house over there that was rebuilt on McKinnon Park on, uh, I believe it's 2nd Avenue. And uh, the, the folks building the house tore down an old one, built, built a new one, big house, big house, and uh, pretty close to their neighbor's house. But that's because their neighbor's house is pretty close to the property line because it was built in 19-whatever and setbacks were only two feet. So there's seven feet between these houses because the new house was built with five feet from the setback. But here's the issue. Too dang tall. And uh, because apparently there are uh, some historic district standards and the city issued the building permit and uh, who's supposed to enforce these standards and what actually counts. Because this house is not on any sort of historic register. House next door on the historic register, right? So... Uh, as you know, and so we've been watching this for a while. So the Supreme Court decision comes out today, and it upholds the lower court decision that it is basically in violation, um, and they have to fix it. Uh, but it it turned over some other parts of it, uh, and and there's there's some, and you know I don't know what they're going to do. So it turns out this this house is now uh, about eight feet too tall, okay? Because according to the Supreme Court uh, uh, decision here. Testimony at trial established that the average height of relevant historic buildings in McKenna Park was 32.84 feet. So that's that's the re- average height of relevant historic buildings, which would be other historic buildings. Under the regu- under the uh, that regulation, the height of the new house shouldn't have been more than 36 feet. The home in question belonged to belonging to Joseph and Sarah Sapinzia was 44 and a half feet. So you can see they got, they got about eight feet on top of that bad boy that uh, is not uh, within historic regulation. However, you know, are you going to make them tear it down? You can make them shave off top eight feet. Somebody let them build the house, right? Well, there's a couple of things in here that to me are very interesting. Um, and so Pierce and Barbara McDowell, they live next door. They filed suit in 2015 against the Sapinzias and obviously went to court. And uh, they also sued the city, saying that the city should have noticed because they issued the building permits that they, you know, they should be on the hook. Um, Well, that's what's very interesting about this decision from the Supreme Court is they said that, yeah, it's too tall. But there's a couple of interesting things. One is that under a previous decision, it wouldn't have been too tall. But the legislature, following that 2010 decision by the Supreme Court that, that deals with historic districts, changed the rules. So it's really, I mean, it's so whacked and complicated. And so we've been waiting for this for a while, okay? The fireplace is in question on the McDowell's place because this, the inspector told them they could no longer use their old fireplace because now it was lower than the building next door. So that was an issue. Whether or not the city was at fault here in any, any way is that issue. Whether or not the, the, the new house, the Sapinzias house, qualifies as a historic building because it's in a historic district that is the McKinnon district. So those are kind of the big points. I just, I read the decision today, the Supreme Court decision. decision. Now it's kind of long. I read it kind of fast. 
But here were a couple of things that I thought were very interesting. First, let's get this out there. There are no winners in this deal. None. The big losers are the people who have had to suffer through this petulant spat between big dollar neighbors. Most neighbor disputes are about a barking dog or, you know, where you put your fence. Uh, This is really no different. It's just a lot more money and a lot more at stake, which, you know, it's a, it could be a lot of money. It's always seemed to me that the city, uh, really gets left off the hook in this deal. Somebody somewhere should have been able to foresee the conflict during the building process, right? We have inspectors look at wiring and plumbing and framing. And how is it possible that this was signed off on before when it was going up, when it was just being framed? And that's a very interesting question that the court addressed today. And I learned something as the McDowell's claimed the city, the McDowell's claimed that the city owed them what's known as a duty to protect them in this instance. In fact, there's a lot of precedent for this issue. Uh, Judge Peckis, the lower court judge, to oversimplify this a bit, did put some blame on the city. The Supreme Court today disagreed, saying zoning laws and building permits that are only meant to govern the wider community issues, not the individual rights. And that, to me, is fascinating. So uh, Justice Zinter, in this, uh, Stephen Zinter, he wrote the opinion. It's a 4-0 decision by the Supreme Court. And and I'm just going to read this because this is fascinating to me. By issuing a permit, municipalities do not, quote, imply that the plans submitted here are in compliance with all applicable codes. Hmm. Local government should not, for the particular benefit of individual persons, bear the burden of ensuring that every single building constructed within its jurisdiction fully complies with the applicable codes. The duty to ensure compliance rests with the individuals responsible for construction. And this is a quote from a previous uh, opinion. Permit applicants, builders, and developers are in a better position to prevent harm to a foreseeable plaintiff than our local governments. So the city's not on the hook here. That, that part is amazing to me. And then another little known fact, and I, this is just interesting, uh, and I didn't know this, is that under the previous precedent that the Supreme Court has decided regarding these historic districts, homes like this, which are not listed in his historic, but are in the district, would not be covered by these restrictions. So under the previous Supreme Court rulings, it seems to me the house height would be legal, but because the legislature came back after that decision and passed a new law, it's not. Now, I don't know what prompted that law. I don't know anything about it, but it probably didn't have anything to do with McKinnon Park. But, I, you know, the, the number of variables in this case are amazing. And what happens next? I don't know, but we'll all be watching it because we can't help ourselves, right? We're, we're just, we're immersed in the big house. And, you know, honestly, these, both parties in this thing, all right, they, there's, there's no clean one owners, as one of my bosses used to say, meaning everybody's got fault and everybody brought to this some measure of uh, bad behavior so to speak. The folks who were building the house could have said, you know, we got to figure out what's going on here. We don't want to get in trouble instead of just plowing ahead, right? Because at one point they fired an architect, brought on another architect, and the plans went to the city and they got changed and blah, 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 blah. They're, you know, they're not a clean one owner. The McDowell's aren't a clean one owner either. They, they could have gotten involved earlier. There were meetings on the historic stuff and all that, but, and I'm not casting aspersions on them. This has to be worked out in court, 
But the level of fascination, it's become a tourist attraction over there. When these, I bet you if you go by there tonight, there'll be a bunch more people just driving by looking at the house. Who among us has not driven by and looked at the construction site when it was going up? It's, uh, it is fascinating. We, maybe we just like to watch the trials and tribulations of the rich and famous. Uh, let's move on to drugs. There's a local story and a national story, and uh, I'll briefly summarize the local story, and that is uh, yesterday uh, Attorney General Marty Jackley said that he, he unveiled his uh, upcoming legislative uh, priorities for the session, which starts uh, next week, I think. He wants harsher penalties for methamphetamine dealing and manufacturing, and we have a big meth problem. There's no question about that. Local people will tell you that. Uh, you know, meth was a big problem 20 years ago kind of died down with some some regulation now it's back and this is interesting south dakota, south dakota saw 51 accidental drug overdose deaths in 2016 um which is a lot meth arrests in the state jumped from 2126 in 2015 to 3179 through november of 2016 that's a lot okay that is a lot of arrests and that's a big jump. That's a thousand more arrests in that time period. So his idea is to crack down on dealing and distribution and make that a more serious penalty penalty with felony with a maximum penalty of fifteen years and a thirty thousand dollar fine, you know, and uh, up from ten and twenty. He thinks that this will send a a, a message that distribution of meth in South Dakota is off limits. Quote. Uh, what we're seeing nationally is a drug ep- epidemic, specifically methamphetamine epidemic, Jackley said. It's something that has come to South Dakota. We see it in our families, our communities. You know, whether or not that'll work, I don't know. I'm happy to see he's not just jacking up penalties for use. That's not going to work. That just fills prisons. Which brings me to Jeff Sessions. And the Attorney General of the United States said today that uh, the federal government will not will continue to uh, go back to an old stance on marijuana. And Sessions rescinded an Obama-era policy that paved the way for legalized marijuana to flourish in states across the country, creating new confusion about enforcement and use just three days after new legalization law went into effect in California. You know, so there's, there's a bunch of states. Now it's like 12 states that have some version of legal pot, California being the biggest, obviously. That is, you know, California's a huge state. It's the biggest state in the nation. Uh, Sessions' plan drew an immediate strong objection from Republican Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado, which is one of eight states that have legalized for recreational use. Um, Gardner said in a tweet that the Justice Department, quote, has trampled on the will of the voters in Colorado and other states. You know, and it's, he said the, the action would contradict what Sessions had told him before he was, con- before the Attorney General was confirmed and that he was prepared, quote, to take all steps necessary to fight the step, including holding up the confirmation of Justice Department nominees. You know, it's, I, I don't know why you would do this. This makes no sense. All right. Pot isn't heroin as Jeff Sessions has likened it to. Pot isn't meth. Pot isn't an opioid. It's just pot. Wasting any federal resources enforcing possession of pot laws in states where it's been legalized just sets up unnecessary confusion, 
potential legal problems for people who most likely don't deserve it. You want to sit around and get high and watch TV? Fine. It's not a good life choice, all right? But neither is sitting around playing video games. Neither is sitting around watching porn. Maybe the problem isn't the pot or the video games or the porn. Maybe the problem is the sitting around. I don't, I, this seems just silly to me. The country wants to legalize marijuana. If there was a nationwide vote, we'd, we'd legalize it. I know that. It almost passed in South Dakota once. It's passing in all these other states. Jeff Sessions has a lot bigger problems than people smoking pot in California. That's the bottom line on today's P&L. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, patrick at ksoo.com. You can also follow along here on Twitter and communicate with us that way at P. Lally Show. That's at P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W, P. Lally Show on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. We got the Facebook Live going right now, and there are literally tens of people watching there. No, I'm kidding. There's always people coming and going. Good to see them. They're commenting. It's good stuff. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to the smart cyclist about what's coming up for 2018. You're going to want to stick close for that. And then in the second hour, we've got Mike Gunn, mayoral candidate. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, yes, the uh, little new music introduced into the Patrick Lally Show rotation. It's the House Martins Happy Hour. For my guest today, this may be his new theme song, I'm not sure. The smart cyclist, Michael Christian, is with us today for Weird Friends. And, you know, we've got a little extra time today, Michael, so we're going to do an extensive sort of outlook on 2018 for cycling and recreation and all the good things we're gonna think about summer summer it's gonna be good thanks for being here man thanks for coming over yeah thanks for having me happy to be here good afternoon yeah no problem no problem uh so how are you man it's cold i'm i'm good i'm sick um it is cold you look good i'm feeling a little bit better got sick the day before new year's well new year's eve day i got sick Ugh. Stayed in bed two days. Ugh. I'm coming out of it. It's hard to be a winter biker when you're sick. It is. It's it, like... doesn't, it didn't happen for me. <laughs> I haven't exercised since New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. Oh, man, you were sick. So, I, had, I was going to get in a Zwift race last night, and for our listeners, Zwift is like a virtual biking world that's really, really awesome. And I don't know, I don't think, I think my neighbors were all bogging down my internet connection. Because I was all fired up to race. I was getting warmed up. And I was the only rider on Zwift Island. <laughs> there was nobody else there. But that's because there were, you're, technically, they were there. There were thousands of people on there. I just couldn't see them. You're, you're, uh, your internet connection bogged down by Netflix watching people yes. underneath blankets. And yeah, you're so trying to get some work done. And I just did a little ride and then watched Peaky Blinders and trying to drag down their Netflix. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, fight back. <laughs> um, so there are some good. There still are some good events coming up. 
very soon for if you're not just for for people on bikes, but a lot of different stuff. And it's important now, people. And I know this this sounds like preaching, okay? You gotta stay active during the winter or you just start to lose it. Go outside and play. Yeah. And uh this weekend even. Yes, the there's a lot coming up. 30th annual, I'm reading it right here. 30th annual Frosty Frolics Weekend. I didn't know that it was the 30th. It says right there, 30th annual. It's been on my radar about two. <laughs> <laughs> With apologies to the Sioux Falls Parks Department. Yeah, so this is a big deal. They have all kinds of stuff all over the city all weekend. So there's huge opportunity to get outside. And by all kinds... I was sitting in your lobby waiting for you to come get me. I was reading my tweets, yep. my Twitter feed. Yep. Turkey bowling <laughs> at Memorial Park on Sunday. Turkey, but what is turkey bowling? I think you roll a, a frozen turkey across the ice rink, knock over pins, oh, and win prizes. I see. There is an ice skating rink at Memorial yes. Park, isn't there? Yes, there is. That's a very nice ice skating park, by the way. Yes. It's got lights and... Shiny new and everything. It's got yeah. a tree in the middle, I think, that's yeah. lit for Christmas. It's way nicer than the one we used to, the story I told earlier in the show, way <laughs> nicer than the Colva Lake job they had going back in the 70s. But that's cool. Yeah. So what what uh, what part of this are you interested in, though? Um, for the third year in a row, well, let's see. Yeah, for the third year in, the row, in a row, I'm going to run the uh, Frosty Frolics 5K on oh. Saturday. Oof. Some early morning cold thing. Where does it start? Uh, Spencer Park. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. And a nice little out and back on the bike trail. I could do that. That was actually my very first official 5K I ever ran was two years ago there. You're kidding me. Yeah. So if I can start my running career at like eight degrees in January, <laughs> I, I can run just about anywhere. You know, weren't you, wasn't that part of your uh, a 5K a month deal? Did you do that? Yeah. Two years ago, I did that a 5K a month just to try and keep active and see if I could do it. And you did it. Survived it. Yep. But uh, so there's the 5K Saturday morning. Yes. And there's a bike ride too, right? Yes. So that's what I'm planning on doing. So there's then, uh, yeah, and I'm actually part of that. Falls Area Singles Rack's part of that. Um, this is our second official year and our third running of the Frosty Frolics Fat Bike Ride. So the first year was a pirate ride? Yeah. You I just s- showed I just, up? I call it the not frosty frolics fat bike ride or something <laughs> like that and then i took pictures and said hey parks we should you should make this part of your weekend and now it is yeah so. you know the parks department the thing about the parks department that i always find very uh um encouraging and uh, uh very positive is that if you come to them with an idea they're usually open to the idea yeah you absolutely know? and we i've done a lot of things where you go to the parks department and you say we're, we want to have a bike race on some grass. What do you think about that? And they'll go, hmm, what is this bike race you speak of? <laughs> and then you talk about it a little bit and then they do it. Yeah. It, it turns out you can go a lot further when you say, hey, I have this idea and here's how I want to do it rather than, hey, you guys should do this. Right, right. Like the skate park people, you know, not only did they say, you know what, I think we need to build a new skate park. They, they raise a ton of money to do it mm-hmm. and they said these are kind of plans this is what we want to do we got an organization and the parks department said you guys are cool <laughs> yeah so that's the lesson there right yep, that is so when's the fat bike ride again uh one o'clock and that leaves from tomar park one o'clock tomar park now it's just a ride it's not a race right right because um, there is a race coming up with uh a fat bike race right with uh, a, a I fun ski i think the media one fun ski is doing their third annual um 
that by grace. Have you been to that one? Of their gazillionth annual yeah. fun ski. I've done that one twice. Is it an actual race? Yeah, it's very short. There's <laughs> not like short track. <laughs> very short track. Um, yeah, and it's good. It's groomed. They they groom the area as they do at Great Bear. And and uh, since we're on snow, we're technically not, uh, not riding on riding the park. In the park. And does so, it go uh, up the trails or does it like just kind of in the bowl? We have gone. Yeah, it goes up one of the ski hills. Um, one of the um, less sloped ski hills, and then it goes up the bunny hill. And uh, the start finish is somewhere in front of the lodge. One lap? Uh, no. Two, oh, okay. Three multiple, but short. I mean, yeah, it's 15, 20 minutes. Well, that's not but bad. But it's a blast. and it's All-out sprint? All-out sprint on snow with soft tires and everything. Are yeah. people eating it left and right, just piles up in the corner? No, not really. Oh, bummer. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't come looking for that. I was thinking you're more like a, they should have like, an, you know, the alley cat, like just a kind of short circled. A derby thing. A derby, yep. Where Last you can man standing. Where you can push people into the snow. <laughs> if you're listening, fun ski, think this derby. Event two. That would be awesome. Yes. So, uh, but this is Saturday uh, with uh, Frosty Frolics, and it's mercifully going to be pretty nice out. Yes. 30 degree swing from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So you got no excuses. Yeah. I'll be there. That, that fat back ride is officially from Toma Park to Falls Park and back, depending on the weather. Um, we're probably going to, I'm going to go look at Tomar Park, uh, the wooded area to see yeah. if there's a discernible path worn in by fat bikers. I believe there is. Because we probably got to get some newbies on fat bikes to try the snow at least a little bit. So. That'd be cool. I know that uh, some people that we know have been riding in there. So yeah. there, I think we talked about that last time. There's people riding fat bikes everywhere. Right. So uh, that's uh, that's going to be a fun one. Um, what was I going to ask you? It's going to be really nice. Frolics, oh, Frosty Frolics goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's this it, is just a one little piece of it. It officially kicks off Friday with some tubing at uh, at Great Bear. Sweet. Um, I noticed tubing, laser light tubing, Saturday evening. Yeah, we had uh, Dan Greider on earlier this week, and he's okay. yeah, that's Saturday night. So they turn off all the lights and they turn on the lasers and they pump up the volume. That looks pretty cool. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cool, too. It's like roller skating. Uh, I saw a picture. It looked pretty neat. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk with Mr. Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, about a bunch of stuff that's coming up in 2018. Um, and, you know, you got to start planning now, people. Get out there. Get active. We're going to come right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. little extended version of uh, House Martin's Sheep. Here it comes. Sheep we're up against, people. Sheep we're up against. We're continuing our conversation with uh, Mr. Michael Christensen. He, of course, of Smart Cyclist, Weird Friends fame. A special, very, a very special extended edition of the Smart Cyclist because we want to talk about all the cool stuff that's coming up in 2018 that, uh, uh, Michael, you've got this, I like, he brought notes. Okay. He's got his, he's got his year broke down into three phases. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Four, four phases. phases. Four phases <laughs> of big events that are coming up that you can participate in if you're uh, interested, and I know a lot of you people are. So phase one, January to month, March, the running months. And uh, we talked about uh, the Frosty Frolics 5K that you're running Saturday, but you've got a bunch of other stuff on here. Yeah. Um, uh, one, if I wasn't organized, I couldn't do half the stuff that I do. <laughs> you're a better man than I. And yes, I'm organized. Uh, February, Frostbite 4 and March, the Irishman. Yeah, and the Frostbite 4, also a, a very long-standing, famous race, and the it's done by Beersford. The beautiful thing about this race is that they put you in a bus and take you upwind, and you get to run back four miles downwind. Yes. Nice. Yes, and I ran it my first time last year, and we'll go back. And, yeah, I noticed that the tailwind, it didn't, I didn't remember when I was running it that they actually on purpose take you against the wind in the bus, and then you run with the wind. So it, that didn't occur to me while I was going fast on my four-mile run. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So that's a nice thing. And, yeah, it's a little bit cold. Um, I don't remember suffering too much last year. The Irishman is a really cool deal. You're going to do the whole thing? Yep. That's Again. in March. It's Is it on the 17th? Is that I think it is on the 17th this year. Saturday is, is St. Patrick's Day. It's the 17th. And yeah, that's this will be my second running of that too. And that's a five-mile run, a 5K run, and a one-mile run, all separated by an hour of downtime. Yeah, all you. on the same day. <laughs> yes, but you get for that, you get a really sweet shirt. Two shirts. You got one that says I participated, and you got one that says you finished. Uh, and don't wear the one that says you finished if you didn't. Five miles, 5K, one mile. And did you do that last year? No. Yep, I did yes. do it last year. How'd you feel on the, uh, by the end of that? Uh, actually I did fine. Okay. Um, that one mile is, is short. (laughs) It's downhill. It goes by and it's downhill. It's down Phillips Avenue, which is, that's pretty, pretty unique. Actually, I don't know if they're going to let them do that this year. Okay. In the continuing, (laughs) in the continuing effort (laughs) by the city of Sioux Falls to keep people off streets. We can't use that public space for anything. Not right before a parade. Um, let's, before that gets out of hand, phase two. (laughs) April to August, five events. Five events. Uh, do one of those features you? Yeah, it does. I hope. Probably. The Dirty Dog in, in uh, yeah, in Vermilion. In Vermilion down there. It's Vermilion. A, it's a fundraiser for their bike sharing, bike charity program. And this will be, if they do it, I don't know that I've yeah. seen it. Sometimes Biking Brady's watching or listening but I to always, the show. But I always, I have it on my calendar because it's so fun doing a, uh, do, yeah, what's the movie? Breaking Away? Breaking Away, where they, the, the indie, indie, the mini, in, the little indie, the little 500? indie 500 in Indianapolis, where they ride around their track on road bikes, on fixie, I think, road bikes or yeah. single speeds. Yes. Uh, with teams. We, we, uh, uh, ride on, uh, like, what are those things? They're donated bikes. They're not, they're not great bikes. They're Let's just great, say yes, that. But they're all standard. So every team gets the same bike. Yep. And, and they're always too small four or individuals and yeah. they're, they, f- yeah, well, since there's four of us, they're set up for one person, whoever got the bike first <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then the rest of us just kind of try and fit on it. For- Our team is roughly the same size. We're lucky in that regard. There were some cheaters last couple of years modifying the bikes, but we won't go into that. We won't. And that's at the, is that the, uh, what County is that? It's Clay County Fairgrounds. Clay County Fairgrounds. So yeah. a little dirt and a little grass field off to the side there. And we road, did, uh, road last road. year we, we, 
we took first we, place. We took first place last year. Uh, and we, it was an hour, two hours. Yep. Two hours of racing, round and round and round and round. Spike your heart rate for like four minutes and then throw give the, it, bike give the bike away to somebody else. Try and be a He-Man and go six laps. Then start throwing up. That's right. Okay, that's uh, that's in April. So that's April. Another highlight, uh, June, the ride across South Dakota. Listen to me. I got all these second time things. I'm doing yep. Nasdaq. I want to do that for the second time. Yep. So that's cool. And that big announcement of that is on January 11th at the Bike Summit. Yeah, the route. So that'll be cool. A dirty do. I don't even know what that is. That's in. That is also in Beersford. That's oh, that's a duathlon. right. Duathlon. Right. So I suffered, suffered, suffered last year doing that. Five K run. I think it's twenty mile ish bike ride. And then another five k. And then another five k. I've and done dirty. I've done duathlons, not because they wanted to be duathlons, but because the lake. Lake Alvin was too mucky to swim. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It and sucks. Yeah, that, that, sec- <laughs> that second 5K, uh, I, yeah, this, I got, I got to finish that one better this year. So. And the summer solstice century, that sounds like a good one. That's a hundred mile ride. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, after work. It start, we start after work. Oh, um, cool. This has just been a few people, two years around. Could be now, bigger. So Make a Facebook event. You'll get a hundred, right? Talk about it on the Patrick Lally show. And Boom. A hundred people are going to come. It's the right audience. We go north. Uh, stop in that, at that, uh, Clark station by Baltic for mm-hmm. some treats, go north some more, um, come home. and then go, we, we do the math for leaving Sioux Falls after work, heading north, turning around so that we arrive at the bike trail at dark Jeez. and then we finish our hundred miles, whatever we need to do on the bike trail. That's good. In the dark. In a little, a little safer. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the summer phase three is a uh, September, November, course you've got a bunch of marching band we won't go into 11 days 14 events the only two of those are cyclocross no they are uh cyclocross is that phase um 2017 i did 11 days of cyclocross and entered 14 events oh wow and i want to at least match that but the big ones jingle cross in iowa city always fun yes and then uh, we don't know the dates for that frosty cross lamar also always fun elmwood forest cross elmwood forest which i didn't make it to this year oh that's right because of marching band all right so but those we'll are your two big ones yeah, those we'll are good we'll do that here and have one local event yep and then december the riddle, riddle box, box which we did this year that was, so that was a blast that's that's a lot of different kinds of events see the, the, what i like about that is there's something there for everybody will you be posting this somewhere you should post this on on your twitter feed so i can share it on the p lally show okay. twitter feed i can do that that's what we'll do so you good people can see it somehow and yeah stuff all year long to all keep right. me active and keep me moving cool uh, Michael, thanks for coming by and previewing 2018 for us. Oh, we didn't say your goals, miles, miles. Oh, miles. So I want to do almost exactly what I did this year. So that'd be driving my car around 5,000 miles, or riding less. my bike around 5,000 miles and running around 500 miles. It's a good year, man. We'll, we'll be following along with your progress weekly here <laughs> on the Patrick Lally show Sounds during good. the weird friends segment on most Thursdays. Uh, we're going to be right back, and we are going to chat with uh, Alex Alisi from KDLT and get the latest on the weather. And then we've got Mike Gunn, who's running for mayor, so you're going to want to stick with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Jason Isbell, we, When We Were Vampires. Hey, everybody, don't forget, coming up on January 27th, it's Sioux Empire on Tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries, two general admission 
sessions to choose from or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. It's going to be a great time. Sold out last year. You're going to want to get in early. Purchase your tickets now at SueEmpireOnTap.com. Should be a great time. I'll be there. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Mike Gunn. He's a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. It's knowing that this can't go on forever. Likely one of us will have to spend some... 4.11 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And... Mike Gunn is in the building. He'll be with us shortly. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. And uh, we've been bringing in all the mayoral candidates for their job interview here on KSOO. And uh, we are going to chat a little bit with Mike Gunn, who has taken his seat here in the Patrick Lally Show studios. Mr. Gunn, thanks for being here. Thank you, Patrick. I, uh, my timing was a little off there, but we got you in. We got you in, got you set up. Uh, so, Mike Gunn, uh, you want to run for mayor, and uh, you're one of eight candidates. First of all, you announced quite a while ago you were one of the first people. What have you been doing since, and, and how is the campaign treating you? Well, it's been kind of slow. I've had a bunch of personal issues, kind of like family issues that, uh, you know, I guess to be direct, my, my father passed away, so that puts a bite on everything. Yeah, sorry to hear that. But uh, pretty much, you know, I'm not financially stable. Basically, I'm a, a disabled person now, and uh, so I'm, I got limited funding, but the funding I'm not thinking is such a serious problem. It's getting the word out, and that's, that's the tough thing. Mm-hmm. But I got a lot of people that are backing me. Uh, so it's still going pretty slow, but we got some time yet. Yeah, well, it's normally the mayoral election wouldn't get start going until about January, so this has been very early. Um, what made you decide to uh, get in the race? Because, like I said, you did it earlier. It's been in for a few months now. Yeah, I decided to get into it because, uh, number one, I'm an immigrant. I'm, I come here from Germany when I was a year old, and, and I, I, lear- I had to learn how to understand the Constitution. And to do that, to become a citizen, you learn more than most people today do in school. So I also started a business years ago, against all odds, got that going. It's still going today. That's uh, Dakota? Dakota Marine and Repair. Yep, it's a boat shop up yep. on, um, it's near on the falls. Yeah. Uh, Phillips. 1000 North Phillips, right? Yep. And so I, so I figured that, you know, people have to understand that we have more power than they know. So, and I've been helping people learn this over the years. And I got told one time that I can't protect anybody else's rights. Well, I can as mayor. <laughs> I, can't, I can represent everybody's rights. But the biggest thing is, is what I see is, is that we got separation of government. The people are no longer a part of the government. And I'd like to see the people become more part of the government. So as mayor, I could give that power back. Whoever becomes mayor in this next election has that power to give the people more voice. That's what I'd like to do. Tell us about, you, you said you're an immigrant uh, and you were born in Germany. You're 
was it your mother's German? Yes. Your father was in the military, yes. right? Yes. Uh, Air Force? Uh, no, the Army. Army, okay. Um, and so they met. You were, you were born, came over to the United States. Um, I'm curious, do you speak German? Did your mother teach you German, or were you just raised with English? That's, that's, a, that's a funny question there, because uh, my mom always told me, she goes, up until five, six years old, I spoke, flu- I spoke fluent German. But she said after I started going to American schools, I'd come home and tell her that we don't speak German here, Mom. We <laughs> yeah, speak English. Right. So I became her teacher in a, in a roundabout way. So you, you had some rudimentary German as a five-year-old. Yeah. And so you actually could translate a little bit for your mom? I still can to some extent. Oh, really? I pick up bits and pieces. Right, yeah. right. I suppose once it's in there, you can be reminded, but you, speaking it probably is tough. Well, yeah, to, to actually make a full sentence, I can do, you know, certain things, but... But I catch bits and pieces, like when she's talking about me or my brothers or other family members, I catch the aunt or the, you know, the mm-hmm. kinda and stuff. So I can kind of piece together the rest of it. But realistically, to understand it, it's kind of lost. And how is her, uh, how's her English? Has she gotten proficient over the years or does she just keep fading back to German? She's got a very, very harsh accent yet. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so where did you grow up then? Here in Sioux Falls. Where'd you go to school? I went to Washington Senior High. Uh, Laura B. Anderson, Brandt, all through there. So, I mean, I've been here pretty much all my life, and I, and I love the city. But the thing is, is over the years, I, I've, I've just seen to where people are losing more of their feeling of that they exist, you know. The city doesn't care about them. You hear it all the time. They don't care about what I think or what I say. And I think the mayor has a lot to do with that because I think our city council is voted in for one reason, and that is to hear certain areas of the people to put it together to have the government hear what the citizens are saying. Mm-hmm. I want to give that back. You don't think they're doing that? Why do you think that? Well, Has that always been the case, or do you think this is a recent development? I think it's been a slow going towards this point over the years. And I believe other mayors that have been in office before, after they get out, kind of look back and say, I kind of could have did something different. Everybody does that. Right. But maybe going against the grain would have been better. And that's kind of what I'm about, going against the grain. I don't want to follow process. I want to follow the people. I don't want to represent the city. I want to represent the people. I think that's a little different. I mean, there's, un- there's obvious things in the city like repairing the streets, taking care of properties and stuff like that. But what, when it comes right down to it, what about the citizens themselves? Is it all about me? No, it's all about them. When you say the... When you say the, the um citizens are essentially disconnected from the government um, and that you were told you can't represent everybody's rights. Uh, how does that, how does that show up in city government? I mean, where are you seeing that? What are the examples? Well, it's been pretty obvious here recently. I mean, uh, anybody Such else? as what? Well, such as the, the uh, Lundgren con- construction thing with the uh, building, the parking ramp and the, and the hotel going up. Anyone else wouldn't be given that kind of leniency on what they have behind them. But for particulars, you come into this situation and people are speaking their voice. But to no avail, they're not being heard. It's obvious. And, and that's just something that's been going on for several other projects as well. We're talking to Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor in the April election. First round is April 10th, I believe. Uh, the runoff would be May 1st. Um, since you were so early getting in, did you think there would be seven other people join you in this uh, adventure? I, I had no idea how yeah. many would be there. 
when did you decide this is what I'm going to do? And did you, did it really, were you, did you know you want to do it right away or did you think about it for a while? Did it give you pause? I don't know. I, I guess it was something in my heart. Something told me I had to try. Over the years, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a rebellious person. I bucked the system. I started the business when I was told that there's no way the business would work. There's no way I could do it. You needed money. You needed this. I was told so many times the negatives on why I shouldn't try. And Patrick, what I've learned over the years is never give up. Never give up. So I thought if nothing else, I could try and help the rest of my constituents and my fellow citizens learn that there, there is a possibility for everybody to flourish, not just certain a few of them. How did you get into business? I mean, you saw it was boat and motor repair. Or how, did it's you start? basically an outboard marine repair. Yeah. How, I mean, how did you get into that? That would be my father. He worked down at Morell's, and I always told him I wanted a boat. And he goes, well, you can have a boat when you get older. Well, one day he comes up and says, I got a motor for you. You get it fixed, you can have it. Oh, wow. So self-taught. You're kidding me. Then, he's, then he, uh, he was really happy to have, like, Scott Atwater's there, an old, old boat engine. Yep. And he goes, you get this fixed, and I'll get you all kinds of work. <laughs> so I fixed the Scott Atwater, and he was so impressed, he went down to Morrell's and told everybody at Morrell's where he worked. And overnight, I had 30 boats in my backyard. I mean, I didn't even expect to be in business. You're kidding me. No. And where were you living then? Was that in on, that on same North spot? On North 7th, yeah, in Sioux Falls. 7th and Benson. Were the neighbors happy about that? Neighbors didn't mind, but I, <laughs> I couldn't get the city uh, conditional use to change. Oh, so you had to, is that why you had to move? Yeah. And when did you open in that spot where you like were? It was like 1988. And, and then I moved on North Cliff where the old song said fireworks building. Okay. And you, but you sold, uh, you sold your um, business. When did you do that? Actually, I didn't sell it. I, I gave it in trust oh, okay. to my employees and the people that worked with me to them to keep it going. But I am currently helping them, you know, continue because I, I got to teach them more to keep going. But I wanted them that worked with me to, to take and carry it on, as well as family when they get old enough to do that. So are you down there all the time then? No. Fixing, fixing engines? No? Okay. I go down there when I'm needed. I'm, I'm basically the advisor and troubleshooter now. So. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good job, right? Yeah. That's better than actually having to uh, work on the boats. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I did love it, though. I did, I did love doing it. Why did you love boats so much? Uh, it's just, you know, it's something that people don't, they don't need it. It's something that people want. You know, it's kind of a luxury for people to be able to get out on the lake and fish than sit on the shore. So it felt, made me feel good, too, that I'm keeping them out there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And instead of charging $100, $100 a minute, I tried to do a fair job for a fair price. I didn't need to be rich. I just wanted to make a fair living. And you did okay? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It does all right. Um, we are talking with Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You, you hit on roads there. Um, let's talk about transportation for a second. Uh, whenever you see a, like a list of needs in our city, uh, transportation's near the top, mm -hmm. if not at the top. What can we do about transportation in our community? Well, I think we need to make sure we expand our, our number one, our bus stops don't cover the whole city on its expansion areas. We need to get more bus stops in, but we also need to think of, you know, we're in the winter areas here, so we need to get some kind of a s idea of heating in the bus stops because people, people can't stand there for 45 minutes waiting for the next bus. Right. So we need to make sure they can also be comfortable and at the same time safe. So we also have to have the lighting in the proper areas. Now, we have a, a good taxi service. we got the, the lift program going on now and everything for that. 
But for those people that need the wheelchair access or the busing industry, we really need to make that a little bit more expandable as far as time. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people that work at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning that need a bus. We need, we need to really kind of look at keeping buses on 24-7, really. It's, uh, it's not going to pay for itself. if you do. It already doesn't pay for itself. It's going to cost a lot of money. Um, right. Is that something we should do? Well. Just spend, just spend the money. Pay it for it. Where are we spending money otherwise? I mean, we're spending a lot of money on areas we don't need to spend it on. Like what? Well, for instance, we're, 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 we're raising taxes on citizens. And when we're raising the taxes on the citizens, what are they getting for it? I mean, we've taken away the tree trimming off the, the public streets as well as over the sidewalks. That used to be a tax uh, payers, you know, basically a considered compliment. Now you that, have to do it yourself. Yes. And the simple fact is, is when we're taking that money away, if you're going to take that money away, why couldn't some of that be structured to the, to the busing system? Why did it go somewhere else? Or where did it go? That's a better question. Where did it go? Um, and the biggest thing is, is if it's not affordable at this time, how can we make it affordable? So until I really get to see, and if I become mayor, I have to look into the financing part of our, of our budget mm -hmm. to see where we're trimming and where we're not trimming, where it's needed and where it's not needed. And it could, it could work, but until I get in there and look at it, and I do have a financial statement at home that I copy down, but, but to look in where I've seen it, I've seen a lot of waste, and I'm not going to go through where I'd be trimming here. Yeah. Okay. But you think that um, we need to put more money into the public bus system to help people get around? Correct. Why is that? Well, if you're not mobile, you really can't really do much to support yourself, now can you? I mean, mm -hmm. you're going to have to rely on something else, and the city should offer that to its citizens. The city should do a lot for its citizens. They are the taxpayer. They are the funder of our city. I understand big business helps donate their share of the taxes. I understand this. Mm -hmm. But without us all working together, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. And cars are expensive. Yes, they are. And uh, some, especially when you start having two or three cars, you just the insurance and all that starts to add up. A lot of people yeah. can't afford that. We're talking with Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls, and we're going to have a break here for weather and markets and news and we'll come right back and finish it up for another half an hour discussion with mike we'll hit a whole bunch of topics this is the patrick lally show on information 1000 ksoo 432 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and we are continuing our conversation with Mike Gunn, he is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April election. That's April 10th, this first round. And then the runoff on May 1st, I believe. So let's talk about the, uh, uh, the parking ramp thing. You made reference to it. The mixed $50 million mixed-use facility. Uh, city pays uh, roughly 20 to build a parking ramp through bonds. The uh, developer in the deal pays uh, about 30 to build a hotel. Those are the big numbers, but is this a good deal for the city of Sioux Falls? Well, from what I've seen from the uh, meetings and stuff that I've uh, watched and the information I've gotten, I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's a good deal at all because we, we have a lot of discrepancies in this whole deal. Number one, we have a problem with the uh, asbestos haul-out that uh, uh, they, they say they couldn't afford the fine to the state that's been... Uh, 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 forgiven $20,000 yeah but it if, if you can't afford that and then you're going into a bigger deal with the city it's not really that's not good business to me 
there's already some uh, uh, very weak structures here that we're not quite sure what's being built upon, you know. I mean, if, if, if they're financially strapped to pay that, how are they financially capable of doing the rest of this job? And then with the other stuff that's going on with this whole situation, um, transferring an LLC at the last minute, it just, it doesn't look good. So do you think the project is good? Well. Taking all the, I, taking some of this other stuff out of it, but. I, I believe we need more parking downtown, I do. But I'm not so sure that we need another hotel. The idea is, is uh, more parking would be great for a lot of the, the, the little businesses in the downtown area, as well as the visitors in the downtown area. But the hotel and the parking ramp put together, basically, it's almost like not building a parking ramp because the hotel is going to use a lot of that. So how does that help the normal citizen that come downtown to shop? It doesn't do... It. Well, I, I don't think that the shortage in parking is the... For people who want to come down and shop is the issue. It's, it's, it's leased parking for people who work and live downtown. Oh, and, I, I agree. Yeah, and but, that's that's what the where the big pressure is, but you're talking about something else. Right, yeah. uh, and, I, and I agree with that. But also the people that, that also work downtown, though, the, the, um, the hotel, motel, whichever, would take a lot of that parking as well. So where do you justify the parking ramps actually doing more mm -hmm. for its intention, you know, what it was intended for? What would you have, what would you like to see the, the council do with this issue? Well, I'd like them to step back on it. I'd like them to do a little bit further investigations and, and obviously there's the other issues on really knowing who we're partnering with besides just, you know, a few names. We'd like to know who's all in there. But, but the biggest thing is, is we really need to look at, is this going to fix our parking issue, like you say, for the people that, that, that have the, the least parking or the workers and the employees and stuff that work downtown. I don't see that having that all as one unit is going to benefit the parking area. It's going to, it's going to have more parking, but we're going to have less availability to the whole city of the downtown area. The big issue, uh, not the big issue, but one of the issues surrounding this project and some of the other uh, recent uh, controversies has centered on transparency, and we use that word a lot. Um, do you think that there is enough openness in city government right now? There ain't enough, no. We need more. People have a right to know what the city's doing, when the city's doing it, and how the city's doing it. I mean, is it not the fact that the city are the people, not the government's the people? The city are the people are the ones that are supposed to be the government. They give powers to the government, and then powers they don't give to the government, they hold for themselves. I don't see that happening today. We're talking with Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor in the Sioux Falls elections on April 10th. Um, what would, in terms of transparency, how do you fix this? Well, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, sorry. What do you do? I would say you probably make sure that you, you do everything you can with taxpayers' funds like the right thing. Take taxpayers' funds and send out leaflets and make sure citizens get involved. Make them get involved. Make them understand that their voice matters. Once they understand their voice matters, they no longer sit down and think that, well, why say anything? It ain't going to matter. Mm -hmm. So by sending out leaflets, uh, there, there's been people that on the city council that are very good right now, very good. And the biggest thing is, is for them to go out and let citizens know on what the city's intent is on certain things, but yet being criticized that they shouldn't is an obvious reason why we need this, because people want to know what's going on. 
but they're not being notified. And it should be the city's job to be notifying the citizens of some in serious decision-making or, you know, even the minor. I mean, because when you're trying to keep them out, obviously people start feeling like they're left out. Mm -hmm. So, Do we have bad roads? <laughs> well, I don't know where you drive, Patrick, but I know where I drive they're pretty bad. And the thing is, is uh, I've heard comments that, oh, overall our city streets are in pretty good shape. Uh, I guess I must not drive on the right streets because, no, we definitely need to put a lot of money like, into Like, where are the bad roads? Because I, I'm one of the people that says our roads are pretty good when you compare them to a lot of places. And you, what is a bad road? Uh, they can't be paved with gold. You gotta, but on the other hand, you have to be able to drive on them safely. Where are the bad roads in this town? Okay, I would, I would consider bad roads to where when you're driving, you feel like your shock's going to break when you hit a pothole. And if you drive out 12th Street, West 12th, from, I would say, Kiwanis going west, you're going to find a lot of potholes there. You're going to find potholes, actually, all the way from 12th Street all the way into the downtown area. And then there's also, on 6th Street, there's some potholes there. Um, I mean, potholes are kind of part of life here, too. You know what I mean? If you're going to use concrete, you know, the expansion uh, because of the weather and, mm -hmm. and you know, freeze-thaw and everything that goes into that, that's a, pretty tough on the roads. And I'll give you that. But mm -hmm. did you know that when people calling in on a pothole and it hasn't been fixed for six months, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. When you got a pothole that a tire will just about disappear into, and there's one over by Axtell Park, as a matter of fact. It sits right on a curb edge. The reason I know about this pothole is because my son owns the property on it. <laughs> He's called about it. This thing yeah. here looks like a sinkhole. Yeah. He's called on it. Nobody's come? No. Hmm. So, but I mean, there's many other places in town that have this issue. And, and the thing is, is, we had, where I live, we had the street paved and they, they took the surface off and they put a two-inch cover on there. But isn't that about, isn't that the time that you should really do it right and get that new water and sewer put in when you're tearing that surface road out? If you're going to put two inches, you might as well put a four to eight. It is a truck route, so, you know, eight inches should be minimum. So if you cap it with two inches, that lasts, what, a year? So do you think that the, where do you think the fundamental problem is there with roads? Are we just not spending enough money on them? Is it, uh, what's the problem? If, we, if our roads are bad, why? Well, I'm not a road construction man, but I, I did work for places like Sukup. And the biggest thing I have to tell you is that if you give the contractor the right means and the right funds, they can build a road a lot better than if they have to do a, a lower bid. You know, So to really tell you how to fix them, you would have to talk to a road construction company. Mm -hmm. But there again, until you, you sit in a position in the city, you can tell who's going to do the bids and who's going to do what and how they're going to do this. A lot of things come into, sca in, into scope there. It, it ain't no different than me running my own business. I can tell you how to work on a boat motor, but I'm not going to tell you um, that I'm going to fix something and not fix it. Mm -hmm. Or if you want me to cut a corner, I won't, I won't do it. I just won't do it. I won't do it cheaper just to get you by. I'm going to make sure I do it right the mm -hmm. first time. We're talking with Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April 10 election. We're going to take a short break here. We'll come right back and talk about more issues facing the city of Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 443 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with mayoral candidate Mike Gunn. And we have been hitting all the big topics here. We just got done with the parking ramp and roads. And let's let's talk about uh, crime for a second. Is this a safe city? I guess it depends on where you look at it from. 
<laughs> well, I've, I've would, lived all over it. Where, <laughs> what do you think in general? Is it a safe city? I would say in general it's a safe city, but there's more crime going on than the, the public are, are led on to see. What do you mean by that? Well, we have more drug issues and we have more gang issues than, than the, the uh, I guess, the police department wants to really represent, to, to portray, to show the people. Um, I don't think it's their fault. I think it's a city administration's problem there where they're told not to say something, you know, keep it, keep it low profile because we don't want people to know that it's probably worse than they see. I, I, I know for a fact that there's certain places that I went on a ride along with uh, Sierra Bossard, and we've seen some pretty bad properties, and we've seen some pretty bad things going on, but I didn't record it. But I, I could, you know, I can attest that there, there's more crime here than people really see. Do you think it's it's really any worse than it was? I mean, you've lived here your pretty much your whole life. I've lived here pretty much my whole life. And I talk about growing up in the 70s, it seemed like generally there was as much crime then as there is today. Well, I, I think you're probably right. I think, there, it, I think it's evened out versus population versus the years. But I think the type of crime may be just a little bit more intense than back when we were younger. Yeah, well, it's 100,000 more people here, too. Correct. Even more. Correct. And with growth, you have this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is we do have to uh, try to do something to help slow it down somewhat. We and, can't, what, and what is that? What do you do to slow down crime? Well, I believe we need to put more police officers on the force. I believe we need to spend more money on, on law enforcement. And uh, we also need to do uh, something with uh, rehabilitation. You know, when these people do become arrested, do we want to th- lock them up, throw the key away? Okay, we can do that. Or maybe we can help them get away from this, you know, show them that there's a better life. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit, of, kind of a related topic, and that's poverty. Okay, so 50% of the students in Sioux Falls schools, this is just the Sioux Falls School District, are qualify for free and reduced lunch, which means they're essentially living in poverty. Um, and in that same vein, we know that there is this balkanization going on, this segregation where you've got uh, schools that have ho- very high rates of free and reduced lunch and schools that have very low rates, meaning there's the poor kids are living in some in the middle of town and the less poor kids are living out towards the edges. That's it's it's a it's a serious problem that the superintendent has has identified. What is mayor? This is a big bundle of poverty and and racial and ethnic relations and everything else. But as mayor, what can you do to highlight that problem and to try and do something about it? Well, first of all, Patrick, I think I'd like to go and visit as mayor. I'd like to go visit every school. I want to see what their curriculum is and, and how they're dealing with the lunches and stuff and how they're dealing with the kids. But also, I want everything to be equal. It shouldn't matter what area of town you live in. Every school district mm-hmm. should do the same. And the, and the schools are kind of just a representation of the city in that I think the school district works real hard to have quality education for every kid in the district, no matter where they live. But what that what those populations re- represent is where the poor kids live and the growing percentage of kids in this community who do live in poverty. Correct. It's really a poverty issue rather than a education issue. Well, yes, it is. But you know as well as I do that when the, when the families are in poverty, the kids get, that also reflects into the school area. I mean, the kids, the kid brings that history with them to the school. They're treated differently by other kids. And, and, and I'm not saying so much school staff, but there's, there, there's, there is a separation there. Like you said, a segregation. But the biggest thing is, is I believe as mayor, too, that if it's done right, 
maybe we can help the people in poverty get skilled, get, you know, use some of our taxpayer money too and, and try to actually help our citizens become, uh, you know, productive citizens and be feeling happy about who they are and where they are and maybe alleviate a lot of crime too at the same time. Because when people don't have something, they, they come into a survival mode. So I think we did that thing when we were kids too. We were in the survival mode, you know. But nowadays with more population, more people that are, you know, from other countries, other cities, states, they, they might be here and feel lost. So we need to help them find themselves and what they're good at. Uh, which gets to economic development a little bit. What can the mayor do to uh, drive the economy? Obviously, sales receipts, sales tax receipts are pretty flat. Um, and we've been talking about all our needs. Um, if, if our sales tax receipts aren't uh, growing at a substantial rate, we, can't, we don't have any money to do all this stuff, do we? No, no, we don't. When sales tax is down, everybody's down. The biggest part I see is that we got to quit raising taxes on everybody. We need to be a little bit more lenient on businesses and elderly. We need to, we need to understand that the elderly at one time were, were very good uh, productors of sales tax, property taxes. But now that they need us, we should be there for them. We should reduce their taxes or eliminate them because they've done their time. They've paid their debt. But the working class and stuff, people that are wanting to have a business, why regulate them to where they cannot operate without costing them hundreds of thousands or, or, or $500, whatever? Give them a chance to get ahead. Sales tax on its own will grow if it's allowed. So when you say uh, what sort of, in terms of small business, what sorts of things can the city do in terms of I mean, permitting or what have you to help small business grow? Well, I believe that the city takes a lot of money they, they spend more money on an effort to try and pressure a small business to operate in what they see as fit. With like, my, what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, basically, they're just going to tell you that you can't operate the way you are. You can't operate where you are. There, there's a lot of people that could work out of their home, Patrick, and they realistically could get along with their neighbors. Now, if they get along with their neighbors, why is the city worried about what they're doing there as long as they're within... Uh, Health regulation. You're talking about like zoning? Well, not only zoning. It, it can have to do with the health, mm -hmm. the, the health code. But the biggest, problem, the biggest part is, is we hold back so many people that could help with the, the sales tax, generate revenue by things that they want to do. But there's so many restrictions they can't even attempt to try. That's what I did years ago. I went against that. Mm -hmm. You and fought with the city over what was it specifically? Well, it was. It, it wanted me to rezone. I couldn't mm -hmm. work where I lived. They threatened to throw me in jail. I told them, throw me in jail. I'm trying to make an honest living. I'm not doing anything illegal. Because you were running your business out of your backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, it happened overnight. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like I could, Right. you know, it was, it was out of my control at the same time. I'm trying to find somewhere else to go. But when everything wants you to spend seven, $8,000 a month, what, what do you do when you're just starting a business? You can't. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it, that kind of, I could have just said, okay, and just forgot about it. But I didn't. You know, I'm interested in this because you you have butted heads with the city even after you moved, right? Mm -hmm. And what was and I don't know all the details about it, but what was that about? Well, they just basically wanted to uh, basically tell me how to operate my business. I wasn't doing anything against the health code. I wasn't doing anything as far as uh, uh, EPA, but just basically how to operate my business, what clientele I can have. What kind of boats can be around the shop? Well, it was a lot about storage, that kind of thing. Well, outside storage. Yeah. I mean, a boat's pretty hard to hide. 
But my clientele isn't isn't the rich and famous. How did they how did they tell you what kind of clientele you can have? Well, they're basically saying the boats were an eyesore. They're, they're customers' boats, but they're an eyesore. So they can't be where they were at because they were creating an eyesore. Yeah. Well, you park them on the street, too. Well, and the ones on the street, we were moving. Mm-hmm. But these were on a lot. And then they say it wasn't wasn't uh, allowed because it was a private lot. And that was just a whole big controversy. But we got past that. But they also gave me a ticket for parking on the grass. And we got that dropped because we were going to fight them. Why do you think that they've been so tough on you? Uh, well, I guess this last time would be uh, because the city's kind of wanted, you know, Falls Park's been that number one thing to beautify the city mm-hmm. and make Falls Park, you know, the namesake. And you are sitting right there. Yes, we are. And guess what? When we started up there, the landlord, he uh, offered us to come down there and rent when we were moving out of the other shop. And he said that... Uh, He's got a place for us. So we went down there. We cleaned it up a little bit. He's got a lot of his own stuff there that I can't move. It's his property. Mm-hmm. It's not a particularly attractive building to get. It's basically a Quonset hut, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically a military Quonset. Right across from Falls Park, which is good. But it's not the only building on that. It's that little triangle of land. Correct. That everybody sees and wonders what's going on there. But y- your boat business wasn't the only thing there. No. Before that, it was Unit Can. It was mm-hmm. a uh, garbage hauler's service many, many years ago. So, I mean, it's been in the, uh, the uh, industrial mode uh, mm-hmm. zoning for quite a few years. And you don't own the property. No, just leasing it. So somebody won't sell the property to the city, right? Correct, yeah. I, what I've heard is there's a little discussion there, price and everything didn't work out. Yeah, I imagine somebody wants... I, I can see where that would become a point of conflict. Right. <laughs> to, and, to put and, it lightly. But, but now it's the way I am, Patrick... If you want to come at me, I'm more than happy to stand my ground. <laughs> uh, what else, Mike? How, what would you cut from the budget? Give me, give me one thing that you would cut from the budget right now because we don't have the money. What would you do? Well, I think I would, uh, boy, this was a tough one. I can tell you that in the administrative levels of city, mm-hmm. I would cut a lot. Meaning, like, workers. No. You're talking about what sort of... Office. You, administration. Yeah, but not, people. Not, not, not your lower levels, like your parks department. Oh, I see what you're pe- saying. Yeah. Upper, Managers. Upper levels. Yeah, so you're talking about... <laughs> you're talking about the, what the, uh, the directors? What? Well, I'm talking about the ones that are basically abusing their position. The, the best place to, to trim is to get rid of the ones that are telling the people they have no rights. Mm-hmm. And... Unfortunately, I'm about people's rights. Okay. So when I hear that somebody's saying they have no rights or they have no reason to speak or anything, that's where I'll start cutting. Okay. It'll be Mike Gunn. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls on your April 10 ballot. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming in. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Coming up, we'll talk about what's going to be uh, on the show tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. You keep putting out K.